Welcome to Data Leadership for Everyone. I'm your host, Anthony Algman. Everyone needs to harness the power of data. There's a lot involved in making that happen, and this show is here to make it all a little bit easier. Think of this as an audio advice column for all your data and leadership questions. Keep the questions and topics coming. Send an email to podcast at dl4e1.com or use our text and voicemail line at 773-888-2077. Our guest today is Eric Gonzalez. Eric is a skilled data executive with a broad range of experiences across financial services, healthcare, agriculture, and education. He currently serves as the VP of Business Intelligence Architecture at Eastern Bank and has served as a trusted advisor to both early stage startups and Fortune 500 companies, providing expert guidance on data best practices. His strong leadership and management skills have enabled him to, to manage cross-functional teams and drive the product development lifecycle. Eric, welcome to the show. Anthony, thank you for having me. So today we, we were talking a little bit before the uh, the recording started here, and we were talking a little bit about you know, people don't plan on becoming data professionals or data leaders, and, and we all seem to have our own journey to this somewhat unexpectedly. Can you talk a little bit about your own journey and, and going from individual contributor to data leader and maybe some of the things that, that you've learned along the way? And today we'll just kind of we'll talk about careers in data and, and how, how we might find them. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually talked about this recently where I made a ridiculous statement saying I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I knew that I wanted to come into data and the path has been very straightforward. Um, and that's, you know, the complete <laughs> opposite of what actually happened. And so um, just to back up to really the beginning. So I entered undergrad as a civil engineer major, changed my mind, went to neuroscience, thought I was going to do pre-med, decided against that, added an economics double major my senior year. Then graduated, thought I was going to go teach English in China. That fell through. Learned about what consulting was, but then went into industry. Started at my first job learning more about like healthcare analytics and getting a taste of data, but still within the healthcare track decided, hey, let me go into consulting now, but with a healthcare lens. Um, while I was at my first consulting uh, company, grew from individual contributor into leader, all within the data continuum, but still with healthcare clients. And so at that point, I was starting to grow my career, starting to pick up more of the data puzzle pieces. So uh, learning about data architecture, learning about data science, but really from like a very narrow perspective. And so from that end, I uh, decided to pick up a master's in computational data analytics, which I graduated from uh, about a year ago at this point. Um, and then at the same time, moved to a different consulting company that was less healthcare focused, but industry agnostic. And I could continue to grow my uh, just data skills and technical acumen overall. And so I uh, started working more with data engineering, started working more with data science and just started to build all of those skill sets. Um, we also talked a little bit before about like a T-shaped skill set. And so I got my career start from a data visualization, data storytelling perspective. But over time, I've collected all of these other pieces like data engineering, data architecture, data governance, um, data leadership, and all of those components are very vital to a successful data career. But there's no real roadmap on which one you should pick up first, which one you should work on second, how one blends into the other. Um, and, you know, our industry is 
uh, very loose with the different positions and terminologies that they have for these roles and positions. So you never really know what you're getting into. And so I think it really takes a uh, consistent curiosity and a passion for data to want to pick those up. Um, but all of them are definitely necessary in, in building that full uh, 360 data career. What is it about data that really attracted you to do all of this? Because clearly you've been doing a bunch of different things and trying different stuff and learning different things at different degrees. Like what's motivating some of this? Uh, ever since I was a kid, I was always passionate about numbers. And so when I had the idea of going into civil engineering, when I first went to undergrad, it was rooted in the fact that that was going to be math based. There was going to be physics involved. And so there was some data element or data component there. Um, when I decided against pre-med, it was because I felt I got too far away from my passion. And that's why I picked up the double major in econ and then went into a healthcare analytics career. And so it's always been driven by a passion for numbers and a love and a desire for uh, being around numbers or using numbers. And data have been so vital and so important for so many industries and continue to grow the importance for every organization today. I mean, people joke that it's data is currency, data is gold, data is oil, and you know, data are viewed now as the key mechanism for success for organizations, whether it's a data-driven strategy at the highest level or personalized data solutions for customers or for individuals um, you know, by virtue of products for organizations. And so you know, it, it's, I just feel like I've been in the right place at the right time with a lot of these situations and, and the, the opportunities that have presented themselves to me. Um, but the common thread throughout all of that from when I have my first earliest childhood memory to now has always been a deeply rooted passion for numbers. Hmm. Do you ever, because I'll, I'll tell you, I, I look back on my journey to wherever it is that I find myself now. Um, and I kind of like, there's some things there that I really fe feel like I could have handled a little bit quicker and found my path a little bit faster. And if, if I, if I knew then what I know now, you know, I, I would have made some moves a little bit differently, but then there's the other side of me is like, well, I, I wouldn't know what I know now if I, hadn't done these things. So maybe there's a reason for all of this, but I, I have to believe despite knowing what our own journeys have been, there's some advice that you might have for folks that are kind of searching. Like, I, I think it's a common, I think it's a common uh, thread where people are interested in numbers and they're interested in math and they're interested in how, how might this help make businesses better? How, how serving a function within our organizations, at least how might we do that? And I guess, how did you make that initial connection? And do you have advice for folks that are kind of searching themselves and maybe haven't yet found what they're, they're looking for with data and, and careers? Yeah. And I'll say like, yeah, I'd, I'd like to focus even more on the latter part of that, which is just careers. It's, it's not even a data thing. I think mm -hmm. a lot of people are sold on the notion, whether it's from friends, family, Instagram, uh, like bosses, managers, whoever, that you're supposed to figure out what it is you want to do at 20, at 30, at 40. And, you know, some people don't discover their passions or discover what their life's calling is, or, you know, that, that key thing, um, that drives them and, uh, allows them to wake up every day happy with the work that they're doing. And so 
you know, my discovery process for that has been driven by always being curious, always trying to seek out new opportunities, new learning lessons. Um, and when I'm speaking to people who are trying to make a career transition, so I've coached or spoken with a lot of like teachers who are trying to get out of teaching um, yeah. with, you know, uh, younger individuals who are coming out of college and don't really know what they're doing, similar to my position, which is why I wanted to go teach English in China. Um, mm. And so if you don't really understand what it is that makes you happy or is going to um, give you that perspective on life, like, hey, what I'm doing brings value and, and I'm passionate about this. Um, the recommendation I always have is like either look at consulting, look at venture capital, look at some service related business that is going to allow you to work and identify problems from a variety of industries or within the same domain, but focusing on the subspecialties of that domain. And so for me, I didn't know what consulting was until I graduated from school. So mm -hmm. no one in my life was a consultant. Nobody worked for any of the big four. And it wasn't until I graduated that I spoke with a friend who worked at IBM at the time. He told me about what consulting was. And I was like, that sounds interesting because you're not working with one company. You don't have to have this perspective of now we have to leave every two to three years to find that next opportunity or the next job mm -hmm. or the next challenge. Um, and so if you work at a consulting company, you get to be on projects that are six months to a year to two weeks to a couple days even on some. And so having that broad view of a variety of industries, a variety of different problem sets, different stakeholders, you get exposed to so much and experience so much. And that experience is richer than somebody who just stayed at the same job for five years and, you know, kind, kind of climbed up the corporate ladder, but, you know, didn't really have that, that new perspective that changed from industry to industry. And so um, that's why I always recommend consulting, venture capital, um, or any service related industry where you're identifying and solving new problems, working with different leadership teams, different leadership styles, because you're going to realize, oh, I like legal and compliance, or I don't really like working in healthcare, or I love financial services. And I think that this manager is great. I think this manager is terrible. This is kind of a toxic workplace if I think about this one experience. And so you have all of those experiences that people get by leaving job to job, but you get it in a shorter duration. And so it, it just gives you a much quicker on-ramp to know what it is you want to do, what you're passionate about, and how you can go achieve that. I would totally agree on the benefits to young professionals that are trying to find what their life's work is going to be about. Consulting is a great buffet of different options. You, you, you pick and choose and you take a little bit of each thing and you get different exposure to different industries and, and different technologies and different kinds of engagements and long-term and short-term stuff, all of that. Totally agree. Now, one thing as, as a person who I, I personally grew up in the financial industry, building trading systems and technologies and data platforms and BI and all that stuff, then went into consulting for the better part of a decade. And then went back to industry and then back into consulting. And so, like, I've been in both sides. And so I will say that and certainly fit the profile of leaving every two to three years. I think the longest I stayed somewhere was six years and the shortest was six months. And it just varied. Right. But the one thing that I also would encourage folks, and I'm curious your reaction to it, is I as I've gotten more senior in my career, the people who have only ever done consulting, I find a little bit strange. 
a lot of the time. And here's why, is that when you're going from client to client, engagement to engagement, you may build something, you may implement something, but what you lack is that long-term ability to see what happens after you made that change, what it's like to operate the system that you implemented, what it's like to deal with the technology, what it's like in that strategy as it goes through the trenches for the next five years. That's where you you lose that ability to see that feedback loop. So one of the things that I've always encouraged folks is that spend some time in a place as well. Learn that depth of operations. Learn that depth of a, of a particular business. Some consultants have that opportunity to be with someone for two years or whatever, like nonstop. And that can vary whether or not it's a good thing for them in their particular careers at the time. Some of them just get stuck and they're like, I signed up for consulting to get different experiences. I've been sitting in the same place for two years. But I, I guess my, my question for you, though, is, is have you had that kind of experience or, or have you seen that same kind of pattern or am I just biased because I've done both and my perspective is, is weird for some other reason? Which is no, totally I'm <laughs> I'm smiling because I completely agree with you, um, and that's uh, I'm back in industry now. I like you started off saying, um, you know, I'm, I'm leading business intelligence architecture for a bank um, and not a consultant anymore. And so, yeah, it that was it was part of my interview questions. It was like, well, why the shift to industry now? And you know, and. I would get feedback like you're talking about of consultants don't really have that continuity, don't build products and uh, see them to the end. They're usually either entering the strategy of a project, implementing and delivering the product or refining and cleaning up the product delivery from some other consulting firm or some internal function that no longer is there. And so, yeah, it's absolutely important to go build a product. And I think that if you still want to scratch that itch of building something and working in a fast-paced environment and feeling the ever-changing effect of what you're doing and the work you're doing, then go work for an early stage startup. Work for seed stage, series A, series B, series C, build out products there, work for the product team or work in the technical team. Um, and that's still going to be a very fast paced environment where the dynamic is changing month over month, day over day, week over week. Um, but you're still going to have that upward trajectory and different experience than if you work at a fortune 500 company that does have more process implemented, um, more red tape when it comes to delivering on certain solutions. And so, you know, I completely agree with you that I think, if you want to do consulting full time or if you want to do be a lifelong consultant, um, it would only benefit you in that journey and in your career to go to industry for several years to truly have that continuity over time. Unless you are, like you said, going to be on a project for two, three years, but most consultants aren't looking to do that. Um, and then after you have that perspective, well, now you understand how to identify or build long-term solutions for clients, which then you could hand off to a development team or to an implementation team. But you at least know, hey, the two, three, five-year outlook for this product is X, Y, and Z, and here's how you should del deliver on it instead of saying it from more of a high-level perspective and not really having that experience of doing it. Yeah, I would, I would agree with all of what you said. And uh, the one thing I would add is that I still think that Getting consulting experience 
early in your career, like for anyone who might be listening to this before they've had their career or, or, or well into their career, try to go into consulting first. And there's two reasons for it. One, again, that buffet thing that we kind of already talked about. But two is a lot of consulting firms won't hire people from industry because their perception is that industry is slow and boring and nobody can handle the change to the rapid pace of consulting, which there's exceptions to that rule. I was an exception to that rule, but I was coming from a fairly high paced industry in, in um, proprietary trading and, and whatnot, but still not quite the same dynamics as in a consulting place. So just be aware that for those of you who have been in industry for many years, it's like this consulting thing sounds exactly like what I would need. Just be aware that you're, there's going to be some bias against people coming from industry into consulting. You can find the opportunities. It just may be you have to be a little bit more assertive in, in, in overcoming that. Yeah. And on top of that, on both sides, on the shift from uh, consulting the industry. Some people are going to have the bias of you're transient. Maybe you're not going to be at this place for a long time. The thing that we just talked about, like you haven't had experience building solutions. Um, but then the, the shift from industry to consulting, like you are doing professional services. So you do have to meet the client's needs and what they want. And it's not the same as being in industry on an executive team on a team that's building a product, some people are going to view you as an outsider. Some people are going to view you as uh, like um, the antithesis to what they're trying to build and try to uh, just keep you off to the side. And so there's there's a lot of like um, battling those kind of political dynamics or, or trying to deal with um, just different personalities at different clients that you wouldn't experience on the industry side. And so to your point, if you're at industry for 10, 15 years, you've built great rapport with the executive team or with your leadership team, it's a completely different dynamic when you step into the consulting world. Um, some clients make you and bring you in as a part of the team. Others are like, you're external to us. And when we give you the, the marching orders, then you know carry those out. Yeah. And, and then the when you go from consulting into industry, sometimes it can be a jarring transition of when you were a consultant. A lot of times you're, you're getting paid very well. Your, your business is getting paid very well to provide a specific guidance and strategy or implementation. And you're generally uh, got a loud voice in the room. And sometimes when you take that employee badge, people stop listening to you. They're like, oh, you're just one of us now. There's no, you're not doing anything. They're, they talk about the laptop bag effect. When you're back when people were flying in for clients all the time, you know, you're coming in with your laptop bag and your suit and like very important people are like, oh, consultants are here. They're, they're here with answers. Let's, let's go do that. And so um, sometimes it can be a little bit jarring going back to industry and be like, ah, oh, the, the, it's not working anymore. The, I still have the same laptop bag, but for some reason the perception changes. So just be ready that uh, you, you may not be quite as influential when you're taking that employee badge as, as opposed to the consulting badge. Yeah, well, and I think that's twofold or the reasons for that is twofold. One is as a consultant, you're get, getting paid anywhere from two to 10x what employees are making. Um, in terms of like a bill rate. And so from that perspective, yeah, people are going to think that, oh, you're bringing two to 10 X the value. Is that true? And maybe, maybe not, depending on the situation, it depends on how specialized you are, whether or not people actually have, uh, that set at the company that you're going to, if you really are just truly brains for hire for the new product or solution that you're delivering. Um, but the other aspect is, if you're a business, you're not going to want to pay two to 10 X for three, five, 10 years. Um, right. 
And so in that instance, it's like, well, we need to listen to Anthony or we need to listen to Eric for the three to five to six to one year that they're here because after that, I don't want to pay for them anymore. So we need to get all of that information out of them so then we don't have to sign them for follow on work or we don't have to bring them on for another contract. And so I, I do think it's twofold between the monetary value as well as the like artificial time constraint that's there based off of the SOW that you'd signed. Great points. Just great points. I, I have I don't have anything more to add on that. I think we've done a very good job of, of covering this kind of dynamic between consulting and industry in the last few minutes that we have uh, left. There's one topic that we had in our in our pre-show notes that I want to make sure that we get to because I think this is fascinating. So we're talk about like you to tell me about collecting all the pieces from the data continuum to develop into a data leader by building a T-shaped skill set. What do you mean by T-shaped skill set and how do you go about doing this to become an effective data leader? Yeah, so T-shaped skill set is something that was taught to me um, by a mentor of mine, actually at the consulting company where you and I had met. Um, and so he's since passed, unfortunately, but it was the last dinner that I had gotten with him. And so he talked to me about a T-shaped skill set, which is essentially pick any industry domain, and there are a lot of moving parts and a lot of different pieces. And you can't really uh, be deep in all of those different subspecialties or domains within a particular industry. And so in taking the full data continuum, like we talked about earlier, there's data science, there's data analytics, there's artificial intelligence, machine learning, um, data governance, data visualization, data storytelling. And so the list goes on and on and on of all of the different possibilities within data. You really can only pick anywhere from two to five to get like really good at. And I would say even like, two is pushing it from like a super specialization, like you know it like the back of your hand, but you should be well-versed in the other ones or be able to speak to the other ones or figure out how your domain that you're really good at can fit with each of those other domains. And so as I thought, thought about my own T-shaped skill set, I'm really good at bridging the gap between the business and the data. I can mm. roll up my sleeves and deliver data solutions, but I'm not going to be able to build as performant of code as somebody who's a pure developer, or I'm not going to build a data science model like the people who are developing generative AI today who are PhDs in those subspecialties and topics. But you need me to build something or debug code, I can do that. Um, if you need me to go sit in a boardroom and speak with executives and CEOs and CXOs and different leadership teams, I can go do that as well and tell them what the business value is of the technical builds and data is that we're building, uh, as well as take their business goals and objectives, break it down to the development teams and figure out how we're going to deliver and build those technical solutions. And so my like stem of the T for me is that data storytelling bringing the business and data together. And uh, I got my career started in data visualization. So like, that's really like my, my specialty, but the, uh, you know, top part of the T my broad, but narrow skill set is the rest of the full data continuum. So understanding data governance frameworks, understanding, uh, how to get data secure at rest or in transit, understanding data science, understanding data architecture and how to build the right platforms or models. And so that's, you know, how I would describe my T-shaped skill set. But if you take your industry, your career, your specialty, it really can be applied to any industry or any subspecialty. And um, we talked about earlier, whether it's consulting or some other uh, function of your job, 
I think it's just being curious about all those different elements that make up data or make up healthcare, financial services, consumer packaged goods, whatever industry or domain that you uh, work in, um, and get a broad, narrow understanding of everything within that industry or within that domain, but then get really specialized with one, two, three things, and then figure out how those can apply to the rest of the broad continuum that you have. Excellent advice. And and the one thing I would add to that is to just be curious. You know, like Eric has, has outlined a very good plan. I love plans because they, they provide structure. But then if you overlay that with curiosity, then it allows you to say, hey, what's down that path? And what what's over there? Oh, that looks interesting. I'm going to go chase that down. You have a general strategy of a general, okay, these are things that we're going to try to check the boxes on, or these are the things that we're going to try to do. But then you also leave room for the unexpected, the things you don't know yet, and the things that you might find interesting. And that coupling all of the stuff that we've talked together uh, today, like it, that's how you find a dynamic and rewarding career in the end. Because if you have that curiosity and let that guide you along with some strategy, along with some intent and some structure, you're, you're bound to have a pretty exciting career and a pretty rewarding one as well. Eric, in the last minute that we have, do you have any other closing wisdom? This has been chock full of great advice for, for people in their career. So thank you for, for all of that. No, I appreciate that. And like I said, I appreciate you having me. I think just to you know touch on what you just talked about, it's having curiosity, having a general understanding or direction of where you want to go, but not being closed minded to that direction. And so, you know, at different junctures in my life, I'm like, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And when I introduced more rigidity, I went against my own rigidity in all of those moments. And then there was like this internal stress that was created for no reason. And so if you just have more of a open-mindedness and a uh, just curiosity that is never satiated, um, then, you know, it does, if, if you're going in a certain direction and trying to learn and take on new things, like you said, it's going to lead fulfill, uh, fulfilling life and a fulfilling career journey for sure. Absolutely. Wise words. Eric, thank you so much. Awesome. Anthony, thank you for having me. And this is data leadership for everyone. But if you need some data leadership for you, I want to help. So send topics, questions, favorite recipes, sponsorship proposals, whatever you like to podcast at dl4e1.com or my phone number is 773-888-2077 if you'd prefer to leave a text or voicemail. You can find subscription links and all our episodes at dataleadershipforeveryone.com. And until next time, be good to your data, be better to your business and be best to each other. Now go make an impact.